This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. My name is Stephanie Muscat. I am a registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. We talk a lot about having one parent, one family member with a decline, a diagnosis that ultimately will result in a very big change requiring care. But what happens if you have two family members with the diagnosis? Or what happens if you first had one and now there's another? Today, we're going to talk about what in the world you should do if you have two people to care for or the person who was primarily providing care is now also declining. How do we cope in these situations? Does anyone else out there exist in these situations? We're going to talk about that in today's episode. So I happen to work with a lot of people who have not just one family member with a diagnosis, but two. I hear about many people who will have a parent, for example, with a diagnosis of dementia for several years. And now the second parent has been diagnosed with dementia. And the child or the children are left thinking, what am I going to do? My second parent was the caregiver. I was kind of stepping in here and there, but now it's all on me. Just a few weeks ago, I had two patients in the same room in the hospital who were husband and wife. One of them was diagnosed with dementia many years ago. And then the other declined quite rapidly and now had also been diagnosed with dementia and both were immobile and there was one child in the picture. It's, it's, it's beyond, right? It's beyond. How do you care for two parents when you're already caring for one to begin with? How do you care for two parents when you're already caring for your own children to begin with? How do you cope? How do you go through this? I also have a number of private therapy clients who are in this situation. And it's a very hard one to be in. And so first off, if you're in this situation, I want to extend all of my thoughts to you, all of my well wishes. And I want you to know you're not alone in this because it can feel like everyone's talking about having one parent with dementia. And even that isn't commonly talked about. What happens if you have two, right? So know that it's a lot more common, unfortunately, as people age. And there are also some research to say that if you are a very giving, 
caregiver who extends a lot of yourself over time and doesn't care for yourself at all, that it can increase the chances that you too will, will go through a health issue. And that's for a different episode. I'm not going to cover that today, but it's not the most shocking thing as we look at aging, as we look at how stress impacts the body, that this would happen. So I'm going to cover a few things today, and it's obviously not going to be the end all be all, but it's it's going to start the conversation and hopefully give you some sort of direction during this very difficult time. Depending where you live, and I cannot, there is a service that I cannot recommend enough. And, you know, I don't know the cost of what it might be in your area or if it's available in your area, but I would highly recommend looking into a care navigator program. What is a care navigator? It is somebody who is like a point person. It might be a social worker. It might be a nurse. It might be a nurse practitioner, but they are employed to take care of the care needs of your loved one when you can't. So for example, let's say your loved one has private and public personal support workers coming in the home. Maybe they have nursing coming in the home. They have other care needs and you can't possibly manage all of their ins and outs. You can't manage their schedules. This is a person who manages that for you. They're like a middle person to take care of all of that organization, all of that scheduling. And there are companies like this, I know, especially in larger cities, where they will do this for you. They will go visit your parents for you, see how they're doing, maybe suggest other care options. And they don't employ the care from their own agency, but they can recommend other agencies. So their specific focus is navigation of the care and organization of the care. And if you have access to this and it's it's within your means, I would definitely recommend looking at it because it has helped a lot of my clients substantially in terms of taking off the burden, having to deal with all that organization. You know what it's like to deal with cancellations of PSWs of other workers or they're late and you have to follow up with them and you're expecting them. This person does all of that. So care navigator, look into it, see if it fits, see if it's available. This one, some people are very resistant on, and it's because there are a lot of emotions involved with this one. There's a lot more to it, and it's not so easy to do. But I work with a lot of clients on this because it's not really possible to continue on full-time, ongoing, taking care of your own life, plus two parents or two family members with exceptional needs plus whatever else you have going on. I don't know, you might have kids too. It's how, how can you possibly do it? And it's ever-changing care needs, right? I, it's almost the equivalent of chasing or, or sprinting after something that you can never catch because it's ever-changing. And now you have two of them. And the complexities of these diagnoses are ever-changing and constantly shifting. So how can you keep up with that, right? I really, really urge you to look at what you need to do versus what 
you feel that you want to do because we want to do everything for our loved ones. We love them. We care for them. But again, we can't do everything for our loved ones. So we can start separating that in our minds of what do we have to do versus what do we want to do and where do we have to show up on a daily basis versus where do we want to show up on a daily basis. Writing these things out, comparing them, seeing where you might be able to let a few things go. I know it's very, very full of guilt here and and other things and complexities, but starting to think about this and are there places where you are overexerting yourself and stepping in where you don't have to? Are there places where somebody else can step in and you don't have to? Are there places that you have to let go? For example, it is not really a negotiable thing to not get medication for your parents if there's nobody else to get the medication for them. And if the medication is urgent and their life depends on it or their mental health depends on it, that might be something you have to do. But something that you want to do might be having your parents come over, setting up the table, you know, once a week, making a meal, bringing them to your house, dealing with possible behaviors at your house, navigating other areas of that, driving them home, dealing with the repercussions of that. It's beautiful to want to give that experience to your parents or to whoever else is in your life. And I think it's a lovely routine to have, but it's something that you want to happen versus have to happen or need to happen? And is it something that if you're having a really, really difficult week that you decide to let go or you let go of parts of it? Maybe the dinner isn't as fancy. Maybe you don't cook as much that week. Maybe you decide to do it at their house so that you're not having to drive back and forth. What can you start to tweak in the things that you want to do? Because those are all adding to the caregiver role. And even if these things are enjoyable and we want to do them, sometimes it's too much. It can add too much on top of what we need to do, leaving no time for ourselves and no room for ourselves. And even adding an element of burden on these things that were once very enjoyable. So making those lists to me is paramount. Along with that and pulling back comes a lot of anxiety and guilt, anxiety about the future, what might change, the things you can't control, the things you're not involved with that maybe you feel you should be involved with, letting go of things and letting someone else take over, that can lead to a lot of anxiety. And guilt of not doing as much as you want to, maybe feeling like you should be doing more, guilty that there are more things your parents should be enjoying or there are more activities you should do and you just don't have it in you. Those often go hand in hand with pushing back on some of those items that maybe we want to do but don't need to do. And this can be very difficult, deep mental health work. It's it's not an easy thing. And so I'm not going to begin to start saying, yeah, it's so easy, just pull away, right? These things have repercussions in us. Uh, it causes a lot of upheaval in us. And 
that comes along with, with everything else, depending on how burnt out you are. But doing the work on the anxiety and guilt will make all of this more sustainable because that anxiety and guilt is what can bring us back into the cycle of doing more and jumping on more and maybe exerting ourselves into more things than we normally would do if we didn't feel that, right? So that is an an area that I would recommend working on if possible. Having a backup point person for emergencies when you can't be called, when you don't want to be called, and it doesn't have to be the closest family member or friend. If you make a map of everybody around you that you could possibly lean on, including Henry, the neighbor who lives down the street, I'm sure there is somebody who is willing to pick up the phone when you can't. And just knowing that's there, you might not even use it, but just knowing that's there can take off so much burden from you. Knowing that, okay, I'm I'm going to get my hair cut for an hour. That's the only relaxing time I have in the next two weeks. Henry, if someone calls in that time, can you pick up the phone, right? It makes such a difference. Then I'm going to go get my haircut, but I might get five calls in the middle of my haircut and nobody else can do it or nobody else is doing it because you haven't really set that up, right? So is there someone that can be a backup point person just in the sense of that one hour haircut or that one hour free time so you can get that time and you can delegate to? in those situations or or for emergencies and a person where you can communicate in advance to the PSW, to a care navigator, to whoever is involved from an agency for this hour, I'm not available. It's going to be Henry, right? Or it's going to be my cousin or whoever, uh, just for the hour. And, And then I'll be back. And you know, you have that time for you. That's so important. If you can hire someone for one hour a day, two hours a day to come into the home to relieve you and also be someone to check in on your parents, on your sister, on your aunt, whoever it might be, it it is so helpful. That is a person you know is going to have their eyes on them when you can't be there. You don't have to worry about the fact that you're not laying eyes on on them for those two hours in the day or whatever it might be. It's a game changer. It might not feel like a lot. It might feel silly because maybe they're not doing anything, but it's peace of mind and it takes the burden off of you. So can you do that? Is there a publicly funded service where someone can come in for an hour or two a day? Can you even put a camera in the home that someone else can lay eyes on for two hours a day so that you are not the one who is monitoring your parents, your family member, and they can watch it and say, oh, okay, everything's okay. And you know that they are the ones taking care of the situation and easing that burden for you. If you can't have someone come into the home per se, you can get one of those Wi-Fi cameras where uh, they are encrypted. So the information is secure and no one else can see the footage, but someone can actually view that on their phone 
And you can have somebody across the country or in another country watch the camera for you at a certain time of day. So if you have a family member or friend across the world, they can still watch the camera and and let you know if something is going on, but then you don't need to be responsible. So can you set that up? And the last thing is long-term planning. Because if two people have a degenerative diagnosis and things are changing all the time, it's a good idea to start planning for the future. Where can they possibly live? Who can possibly help? What is the situation going to possibly look like? It's better to plan in advance before the fact than plan when you're in a crisis. And this is something that will take a lot of burden off in a situation where there is a crisis because in that moment, you know, okay, we planned for that. We know what's going to happen here versus, oh my God, what do I do? I need a plan by tomorrow. It can feel like a lot of energy and time into to putting a plan together, but it saves a lot of angst down the road. So if you have one family member, if you have two family members, planning is such a substantial piece of this puzzle. I cannot say it enough. I hope you found these helpful. If you're in a scenario like this, reach out. Again, you're not alone. I see this more often than one would think. And we'll see you next time for another episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Caregiver's Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.